You are listening to the Hope Fellowship Church Podcast. To find more information about our church and ministries, check out our website at hopeandanderson.com. Now, this week's teaching. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Matthew Cogswell. I'm the Next Generation Pastor here at Hope, and I am um, just grateful to be here with you this morning. I'm going to share this with you real quick. Uh, on June 16th, 1941, the great statesman of Britain, Winston Churchill, delivered a message to the United States, which he said this, and I quote, the destiny of man is not measured by material computations. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we're spirits, not animals. There's something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which whether we like it or not, spells duty. Winston Churchill, a.k.a. the British Bulldog, uh, went on to lead uh, Britain to victory against Hitler's Germany. It's these famed words along with uh, Memorial Day weekend that man, really couldn't be more fitting for this morning's message entitled Soldiers in Christ. And so as we conclude our study in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 6, verse 10 and 20, that was just read, this passage, as you may have picked up on, carries with it um, some similar tones as, uh, as uh, uh, Winston Churchill uh, spoke on, some of the tones of, of resolve and of passion that any great leader would speak to his people as he was uh, trying to lead them to victory. Well, it's the same type of passion and resolve that the Apostle Paul gives to uh, the people of God in Ephesus and to us today. Before we get into that this morning, I'd like to pray and just kind of recap a little bit after I pray for those of you who are joining us for the first time in this series, just so that we're all on the same page and then we can, we can move forward. Does that sound good? Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. And it's in that name, Lord, I pray that, um, that your spirit would illuminate your word to us this morning. I pray that you would help us to understand the incredible greatness of your power that is for us, for us who are in Christ Jesus. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And so, Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would be front and center, and that you receive all the glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. So the Apostle Paul, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, he spends ample time, as we can remember, breaking down the gospel and its implications or these identity markers uh, for us uh, as followers of Christ. I like the Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's one of my life verses where it talks about it. That it's by grace that you have been saved uh, through faith, not by works so that nobody can boast about it. It's this, uh, man, just pivotal identity marker for us and through the gospel that, man, the reality is we had, we had nothing to do to earn this uh, incredible mercy and grace of, the, of God. In fact, we were spiritually dead, far apart, like uh, enemies to God. And it's by his great mercy and his love that we have been made alive in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we were dead and now we are alive, spiritually alive. 
And then he goes to talk about how we are beloved children. Now, beloved children, this beautiful, rich identity marker. Uh, talks about how we, man, that we are this new creation, all of this, this beautiful, beautiful picture. And then after the, uh, those three chapters, he spends the next two chapters talking about, okay, in light of that truth, in light of the gospel, this is how you ought to live. Right, it, as Pastor Mark um, really emphasized for us, is that it, the gospel must be our uh, the fuel for our change in lifestyle. It's it's not the other way around. We could never change our behaviors enough for God to uh, to love us or accept us. That could never be the case. So he emphasizes the transformation of our heart through the gospel, and then says, "Okay, in light of that, now live up to that high calling in Christ." He gives some practical uh, words. He talks about how important it is to, to live in unity as the body of Christ. He talks about how we're called to walk in the spirit. We're called to walk in love. And then he talks about um, marriage and uh, the, this picture of uh, how a husband loves his wife and a wife loves her husband is a picture of, of Christ in the church. Uh, Pastor Mark did a great job just really breaking that down for a couple of weeks, and then we talked about um, this, how parents and children are to uh, interact in light of the gospel. And then, finally, as we get to the end, the apostle, the apostle says, you know what, Paul, he's like, you know what, if there's, there's something more I want to leave you with. There's something I, I got to leave you with. And he instructs believers to stand against the evil forces at work in the world. He breaks it up into three parts. The first part is a description of our battle. The next is a call to resist. And then lastly, it's a reminder to pray and be alert. Bottom line for this morning is this, that if we are going to take seriously our identity in Christ Jesus, we better be prepared for opposition. I'll say it again. If we are going to take seriously all that we have learned so far in this series, what God's been teaching us, speaking over us through his word, we better be prepared for opposition. Turn to somebody next to you and ask them, are you prepared for battle? You, ask, you already talked to them a little bit. I say, now ask them, are you prepared for battle? Somebody's like, man, I got to get up out of here. This is crazy. I don't know why I stepped into Hope Fellowship this morning. No, it's good. Trust me, it's going to be good. Uh, so this is the description, uh, verse 10, Paul says, finally, finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Somebody say schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers in this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms here's the first point paul makes very clearly if we are to be strong in the lord to stand firm in this battle in our journey of becoming and belonging we must realize that we are contending not against flesh and blood but this is a spiritual battle this is a spiritual battle Second Corinthians ten four five, uh, like what it says in the Amplified Version, it says the weapons of our warfare are not physical, mere weapons of flesh and blood. Our, no, our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, 
We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. You see, there's people here this morning, and we're from all different walks of life and denominations, and I love that. I love about, about hope and uh, being a non-denominational. We have different uh, backgrounds. And, and with that, um, we just have to be real that uh, when we talk about especially areas like spiritual warfare and the devil, there's going to be a lot of different thoughts and emotions, right, that we can come to the table uh, with that. Right, and and so I just want to kind of clear the air and kind of bring us back, uh, you know, on common ground, and and say this that regardless of where your stance is, here's the here's the reality: it is difficult to not want to place that person that's in front of us who's talking junk as the enemy, right? <laughs> right? It's difficult to disassociate ourselves from the fact that there is, uh, there's contention that we maybe have in marriages or relationships and not say, you know what, that's the enemy right there. And I, am I the only one? I, I, the, but the apostle Paul, man, he says this is, this is a spiritual battle. Now, now here's the thing. Um, I think we need to be clear. That Paul's not saying that if somebody came into your house wanting to harm you or your family, that you're supposed to call them your BFF, Right? That's, that's, that's not what he's saying here in this, this passage. Of course, we have to, you know, bear home, bear home, bear home, be protection, you know, protecting ourselves against physical attacks and of that nature. But, but here's the deal. What we get tripped up in is we want to say, no, 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 my boss is the enemy. Yep. Yep, that's my enemy right there. Oh, no, 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 here. No, no, it's my, it's my, it's my spouse telling you that's the enemy right there oh no no it's my roommate did man they didn't even clean up the dishes that, that's the enemy right there right that's what i'm really wrestling against they ain't picking up their clothes their stuff like that's my enemy right and we can if we're not careful we can get caught up in the immediate natural surface level situations that we're in paul says uh-uh if you really want to be strong in the Lord, if you really want to, to take seriously, you want to really walk in victory, you need to understand that you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And there's unseen forces at work here, right? This is a spiritual battle. And so then he says, man, then you're, you're, we're to take our stand against these, these schemes now. But here's the deal. We have many misconceptions when it comes to spiritual warfare and the devil, here's a few, maybe you can connect with these. If you don't talk about the devil, he'll leave you alone. Heard that before? If we talk too much about the devil, man, we're just giving him too much glory. Or there's no such thing as a literal devil. You know, I mean, he's just, it's just merely metaphorical. Like this is a symbolic. Or how about this? I hear this a lot with students. They hear it a lot. The church made up the devil and hell as a form of manipulation. Oof. How about this? As Christians, since we have the spirit, we can never be demonized. The list can go on and on and on. But here's the thing. This kind of helps center us. And 
think really important. We've got to ask the question, what does Jesus say about this? If we're followers of Christ, what does Jesus say about the devil? What, what's his interactions? What, what can we learn from him? If we're following him, what does he say? Well, in Luke 4, 1 through 13, we see very clearly that uh, when Jesus was baptized, it says that the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be what? Tempted by the devil. Right? John eight forty four, which we'll read a little bit more later on, Jesus has a very lively conversation with the Pharisees where he calls them uh, the children of, uh, of their father, the devil. John 12, 31, 16, and 11, Jesus refers to the devil as the prince of this world. Here's a point. For Jesus, the devil is not some fictional villain from a Harry Potter novel. He's not a guy in a red suit with a pitchfork. He's a very real and cunning source of evil and the most influential creature on earth. Three times Jesus called him the prince of the world. Earlier on in the book of Ephesians, Paul says that, that the prince of the air, the powers of the air, was at, is at work among unbelievers. The word prince is in, in Greek is archon, which was a political word in Jesus' day used for highest-ranking Roman official in a city or region. What was Jesus saying? He was saying this. He said, this creature is the most powerful and influential creature, creature in the world. In Luke 4's account of Jesus being tempted, the devil claimed that he owned all the kingdoms of the world, and if Jesus would but bow, bow, bow down before him, that he would give him the kingdoms. You know what Jesus didn't do? He didn't correct him. Think about that. But Pastor Matt, didn't Jesus defeat Satan, right, on the cross? Yes, yes, he did. But that doesn't mean our battle with him is over in this life. I like this quote from the book Live No Lies by John Mark Homer. He gives an analogy, I think, that helps shed some light on this dilemma. He says this, he says, Jesus' victory over the devil was like D-Day to World War II, the decisive battle that marked the beginning of the war's end. The devil's fate was sealed on the first Easter as Hitler's was on June 6th, 1944. But there are still many miles to cover to reach our equivalent of Berlin. In the interim, the devil is like a wounded animal, a dying dragon, more dangerous than ever. Contrary to popular artistic imaginations, the devil is not in hell. He's here on earth. If Jesus' anthem is on earth as it is in heaven, the devil's is on earth as it is in hell. Whew. All right, let's go home, right? Right, 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 right? I can feel the collective air in here that's like, See, I told you I don't want to talk about this spiritual warfare stuff, right? Like, that's why, that's why I ignore that stuff. Because like, I get all anxious, right? And, this is, right? and we try to push it to the side. But and because here's the reality, that when we talk about the truth of 
this ongoing war, which, man, causes harm, spiritual, mental, emotional, and even physical. Uh, It's a very real possibility for us here as followers of Christ. We're not immune to it. But here's the thing. What Paul uses to share with us in this truth is not so that we'd shrink back in fear, but it's so that we would go and we'd put on the full armor of God. See, we must understand that we are at war if we're ever going to put on any armor, right? It wouldn't matter to us to, to put on some full armor if we didn't understand that there is a battle that we are in. And so, The Apostle Paul is summing up this entire book by preparing us to fight our everyday battles from a state of victory in Christ Jesus. And he gives us a call to stand, a stand. Man, and as I was meditating on this passage, man, that word stand kept on coming up. Stand. Before we even get to to full armor of God, he kept on saying stand, stand, right? They may take your stand against the devil's schemes. That when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, right? That after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. Stand, stand. And as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, man, how can, how can I get a picture of what's going on here? What is Paul saying? What he means by his this stance? What does that even Look like, and as I was thinking about that, I, I got uh, a picture of uh, this new volunteer here, my my man Bryson over here. So Bryson, come up here. Would you welcome Bryson McCord? <laughs> this stud right here just graduated from Pendleton High School on Friday with honors. <laughs> he is going to AU in the fall, and. He was also an accomplished wrestler at Pendleton High School. And as I was thinking about this passage, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I'm like, I need to get a wrestler up here. I need to get like a real wrestler. I don't wrestle. <laughs> but you got to get a wrestler. So, uh, Bryson, I, you're, you're standing just in a relaxed state, right? Normal state. And, and, and what his stance right here represents, it symbolizes for many of Christians here today in the world. It's this stance of, you know what? Like, um, I'm good. Like, I hear these messages and that's all like, that's all, you know, that's spiritual talk. Like, that's for the super Christians over there. You know, I'm good. You know, I'm smart, capable. I'm good. I'm living life. Yeah, I have my ups and downs. Who doesn't? I've got my challenges. But, who doesn't? And so, you know, all this spiritual warfare stuff, I don't really understand it. So, you know, I'll just kind of put it to the side. I read my Bible, I'm good, you know, with all that other stuff. But the Apostle Paul says, whether you realize it or not, whether you believe in it or not, there are spiritual forces of evil in our world. If you are a Christian, it has a very malignant intent on your life. And these spiritual forces like to tug on us at times, pull us at times, shake us around a little bit at times. I love this part. (laughs) And there's this tension in our our, our lives. And, you know, that's just, you know, it's just normal stuff. It's just work. It's just things that I'm going through. It is what it is. And, 
And so we kind of kind of dismiss it at times. But maybe have you ever wondered why, man, my mind has been so under duress at times? Have you ever wondered that before? You ever wondered why there might be a, a, a tension in your chest with some of the desires in, in your life? You ever struggle with the ideologies that are at, you hear every single day, social media that we live by, right? You ever thought, man, why do my feet continue to lead me in directions that are, man, self-defeating and harmful? Why do I keep on worrying about it? Why do I continue feeling weighed down in this life, right? This is a good man, good man. Have you ever wondered, considered, that our souls are at war? That our souls are at war, that there's a spiritual realities at war. The Surgeon General has declared that there is an epidemic of loneliness among youth people in this day of age. A sense of depression that, you know, we want to kind of chalk up and say, oh, that's just COVID. There's just this COVID. And yes, COVID plays in it. But could it be that there's other forces at play? Could it be? And here's the deal. When you're at this stance, it's pretty easy for me to manipulate and move around, right? Just, that's just a casual stance. But the word of God says that we're up against an opponent, that if you're a Christ follower, you are a soldier in Christ, you are up against an opponent, and you're called to take a stand against the devil's schemes. Bryson, why don't you get into a wrestling stance for me, please? This is a stance of a wrestler, both defensive and offensive stance. This stance represents a Christian with intentionality living their life. This stance recognizes that there is realities that they cannot see or fully understand, but, but that they take the word of God seriously. And they realize that there's forces and things that try to push and pull that, yes, on the surface, for sure, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or yes, sure, for sure, there's the things that happen in our everyday that, that happen that cause anxiety. But the reality is that they're wrestling not against their boss, not against their neighbor, but ultimately, there's a spiritual warfare going on here. There's spiritual forces of evil that desire to wreak havoc in your marriage. And you're called to take a stand. There's spiritual forces of evil that you need to take a stance against when it comes to your family. So come on, somebody. There's, 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 there's powers at work that want your children's minds. There's powers in this dark world that your neighbors are being inflicted by, that you are being inflicted by. And Paul says you must take a stand against the devil's schemes. You can get a stance, sturdy, both defensive and offensively, if you're going to stand your ground in this evil day. Would you give it up for Bryson? I'm tired of beating up on him. Give it up for...
question, what's your stance? How are you standing today? Paul says, stand firm. It goes on talking about resisting the evil one. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 1 Peter 5, 9 says, resist the devil and stand firm in the faith. Galatians 5, 1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit yourselves again to a yoke of slavery. What is your stance? Can I tell you something? Taking a stance like that is not for the weak. It takes bravery. It takes conviction, courage. Here's the good news. Paul, Lord, the word says, he's not asking you to be strong in your own strength. He says, take a stand and be strong in my mighty power. In the Lord's, not your own. This is a stance. This is, this is a stance for those of you truly want to grow. You truly want to take seriously your identity in Christ. You truly want to take a stance for your mental health. You truly want to take a stance for, the, for your marriage, for your family. You truly want to become and belong. You want to make disciples who make disciples. And you better put on the full armor of God. You better put on the full armor of God. Now, if we're Christ followers, if we're Christians, the devil cannot take our salvation. But you know what he can do? He can take your peace. He can take your joy. He can leave you so defeated, so shrunk back in fear that we never even step into the calling and the joy and the life that Jesus bled and died for on the cross. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Stand firm. When you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith by which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows and the darts of the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Man, now we can't go into all these pieces of armor this morning uh, because if we did, we just we wouldn't be able to have enough time. But but it is so important for us to be able to understand each piece of armor and why it's matter, it matters and how to uh, put it on. There is a series that we have um, in the uh, hopeandanderson.com that's called um, Fight. So you just go to uh, the message archive and look up the series fight or the fight. And, uh, it's where we break down the full armor there. I really encourage you to do that. But today we're going to focus on only two, uh, pieces of the armor. That's the belt of truth and the sword of the spirit. One is defensive and one is offensive. I picked these two because they're so applicable for our day uh, today, and it really addresses the main strategy of uh, the devil and the spiritual warfare. 
Um, we'll, we'll see, remember in John chapter 8, I said that uh, Jesus had a lively conversation with some Pharisees, some thought uh, leaders in, of his day. Well, it's in this passage that we get um, uh, within a lively conversation that he has, we reveal Satan's strategy, reveals something about how he moves that is so important for us if we are going to put on the full armor of God. He says this, verse 43 Jesus says, why is my language not clear to you? Speaking to the Pharisees. Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, native tongue. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me uh, guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Satan's main strategies, main attack against you and I as children of God is to fight with lies with lies, ideas, clever arguments, ideologies, and more specifically, very clever lies. Lies that have truth in them and then kind of danced around and kind of, you know, glittered up a little bit. What do you mean? It's not like, you know, like we see in the movies, or heads are spinning, and like, you know, like that, that's, not, that's not how he fights. Like, no, no, no. It, it says he fights with lies. Because he's the father of lies. See, we're living in a day that truth is considered relevant or uh, relative. You speak your truth. You speak your truth. You speak your truth. You speak your truth. <laughs> You speak your truth, right? We just keep going all along the lines. We're like, well, I'm, we're like what, 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 what truth are we talking about here? Because your truth says this, and your truth says that, and my truth says this. So last time I checked, there's only one truth. All God's truth is God's truth. All truth is God's truth. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. But truth is so ambiguous and fluid in our world today because there's an attack on truth. You know what? I like this definition of what truth is. It's defined as an adherence to reality. Adherence to reality. You know what reality is? Taxes. <laughs> right? You know what reality is? It's bills. Bills come in the mail, right? You got to deal with them. Parents, you know what reality is? Laundry. I hate laundry. Oh, I hate laundry. Somebody fold my laundry, please. Students, you know what reality is? Tests. Homework. It's reality. You know what also reality is? Jesus. His kingdom. You know, also the reality is, is that there's an adversary whose main objective is to sow cleverly clothed lies 
narratives, mental maps, if you will, that we believe over time. And if we believe and live out of those lies, it deforms our very soul. That's reality. I, I understand that there's many who struggle with mental health here in this room. I have mental health issues running in my family. I know that we live in a broken world and our bodies break down. There's just gonna be some things that happen, right? Because we're living in a broken world. We need to take medicine. I also know that there is a very real spiritual force of evil in the heavenly realms that desires to keep us captivated up here. Paul says, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Why? Because our fight against the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds from their captivity to lies and liberate them with the weapon of truth. We are transformed by the renewing of our do not be conformed to the patterns of this world to the lies of this world, Romans says. The belt of truth, the state of the heart, answering to God's truth, this inward practical acknowledgement of the truth as it is in him. It's the agreement of our convictions with God's revelation. Another way of saying it is, how often are we affirming what God says about us versus what the lies in our minds say about us? What do I mean? I'm just stupid. I'm just stupid. I'm just, they do this again, I'm just gonna lose my mind. I'm just dumb. It's just who who I am. I'll just always be like this. Or I'm just a failure. How many of you have got those narratives in your mind? Hear them. How many, how many of you acknowledge what you're thinking about? Thinking what you're thinking about. That's spiritual warfare. The battlefield of the mind right here. That's how the devil gets you. That's his first line. Oh, well, that's no big deal. What I say, no, it does matter what you think. What you think about yourself matters. What you think about other people matters. What you think about the character and nature of God matters. One commentary says that the loins or this, the waist there, it encircled by the girdle from the central point of the physical system. That's why scripture, the loins are described as the seat of power. To smite through the loins is to strike a fatal blow. To lay affliction upon the loins is to afflict heavily. Another commentary says this, that Satan is a liar, But the believer whose life is controlled by truth will defeat him. The belt of or girdle holds the other parts of the armor together, and the truth is the uh, integrating force in the life of a victorious Christian. A man or woman of integrity with a clear conscience can face the enemy without fear. It's the girdle also holds the sword. Unless we practice truth, we cannot use the word of truth. So much we could talk about here. Integrity. 
sincerity of heart. Man, if, if we're not being real with what's going on in here, the enemy can disarm us from even using the sword of the spirit. If we're not being honest, left defenseless. So the sword of the spear, which is our, our only offensive weapon, Hebrews 4.12 refers to it as the, as the word of God is as a sword because it's sharp and it's able to pierce the inner man just as a material sword pierces the body. The more you use a physical sword, the more it gets dull. But using God's word only makes it sharper in our lives. A physical sword wounds to hurt and kill, but while the sword of the spirit wounds to heal and give life. When we use the sword against Satan and his demonic schemes, we are out to deal him a blow that will cripple him and from, from hindering God's work in our lives. When Jesus tempted, when Satan was tempting Jesus in the wilderness, how did Jesus respond? Was he swinging his arms? That's the word. It is written. It is written. It is written. Devil come out and it is written. Get thee behind me, Satan. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. It is written. Shall I have no other gods for the Lord. It is written. It is written. It's a sword of the spirit that defeated Satan in the wilderness. The whole armor of God is a picture of Jesus Christ. Christ is the truth, John 14, 6. He is our righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, and our peace, Ephesians 2, 14. His faithfulness makes possible our faith, Galatians 2, 20. He is our salvation, Luke 2, 30. And he is the word of God, John 1, 1. This means that when we trust Christ, we've received his armor. Question, have you been putting on the full armor? Have we been putting on the full armor? As we close here with this. chains he says pray that I would fearlessly make it known Paul is real too he's like man I'm, I'm scared pray that I have boldness pray that I would fearlessly do that 
how much do we treat prayer as like a last resort? Oswald Chambers says this, we tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we can do anything at all. Pray. Pray. Come on, saints. Pray. Not the last resort. Pray. First resort. Pray and, 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 and then wait upon the Lord. Pray and then obey as he, as he leads you. Pray because you understand that your ultimate enemy is not flesh and blood that you're contending with. Pray because the weapons of your warfare are mighty before God for the demolishing of strongholds. Pray. Because if we're going to stand strong in this journey, we're going to stay in the ground. We need to be praying for one another. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to put the word into practice. In just a minute, I'm going to invite you guys to... For those of you who are struggling right now, you're hearing this message, you're like, man, I just, I just know, I'm just struggling, I'm battling right now, and I need prayer. We're going to play a song, and I'm just going to invite you to come down, and, and myself and other staff members will, will, will pray for you. We'll pray. Because Paul says at this conclusion of his, of this letter above, ah, just going to, to wrap things up. He says, listen, man, we need to stand strong in the mighty strength and the mighty power of God. That we are battling, we are warring, not against flesh and blood. And we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, for he is our deliverer, and he is the one who sets captives free. Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. It's him. It's him. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you to come forward. And we're going to have staff going to pray with you here as we conclude this message. But let's heed the word of God as he is speaking to us this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, we proclaim that you are victorious, Lord. You are our defender. You are you are seated high above all rulers and authorities and principalities that that it's the name of Jesus that's above every single name it sets captives free it's the name of Jesus which destroys the the, the yokes of the evil it's the name of Jesus that brings freedom your word says that whom the son has set free is free indeed lord we just proclaim freedom over the people of god lord i pray that you would come that you would move that you would heal that you would set people free lord that you would give opportunities lord jesus first for for men and women to be alert and to be awake to the 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 schemes that are at work in this world god have your way in this place in your people in jesus name we pray amen thank you for joining us for this week's teaching we hope you have a great week